Before this video starts, I just want to say there was an error in the microphone while filming this. I tried my best to fix it, but if the microphone error is too much for you to handle, I don't blame you for tuning out. How's it going, man? Hey, how you doing? I'm Adi. I uh, live in D.C. Um, and I'm a property developer. Nice. So. Yeah. My name's Joey Saladino, and I'm on a journey to travel all across America and interview everyday Americans on what they think about the current state of politics. Time to hear what Americans really think. This is America the Podcast. So cool. So um, thank you for coming in my car today. No problem. You are the first guest of the day. Cool. Earlier today, when I was in Maryland, people were calling the cops on me for, <laughs> for asking them to come into the, to do the interview. Um I thought I wasn't being so creepy, but was I creepy? Because I, I approached him. He was yeah. charging his car next to my car. And what, what were your yeah. first thoughts when I came up? To well, that? you know, given everything going on, you know, first question is, you know, someone randomly talking to you. But there's a little bit of a community around electric car owners, I think. And yeah. So, you know. It's like, oh, they can't they can't run off with me. Their car's charging, right? Well, not just that, <laughs> but like, it's like, you know. Now that the community's growing, maybe not so much, but yeah. you know, you tr it's a small community that generally is is fairly trustworthy. Yeah, like some people that care about a certain thing, and yeah, you know, because it's like that. That's when I did it. Um, the reason why I did it in my Tesla and not my Camaro one, obviously, it's free electricity yeah. in a Tesla. And two, it's like I figured if I'm going to pick up random people, I would rather than be electric car owners as well, because I'm less likely to get stabbed and robbed, especially yeah. if I'm moving a bunch of stuff. You know. I know you're not like I can just trust you. Like your car's right there; it's in yeah. the charger. You're you're clearly not some junkie. Yeah, you know exactly. You, you have a nice car, you know. <laughs> so, but um, into some political questions, real quick. And if you don't want to answer any of them, you don't have to answer. Sure. Uh, what party do you think you mostly affiliate with? I'm actually a little interesting. I used to work uh, on Capitol Hill for a member of Congress. Before that, I worked for a governor in Massachusetts, um, and I've actually worked for both sides of the aisle, which is extremely unusual because once you work for one side, the other side doesn't yeah. want to hire you type of thing. And, you know, um, I can say that I'm a moderate. Um, right now, I do identify a little bit more on center left is what one would call it. Mm -hmm. Technically, I'm registered as an independent. But uh, the last several elections, I found myself voting as a Dem. Um, but so you voted for Obama yep, and then right. Hillary, I'm assuming? Yes. Or you just sit, sit that one out? Well, I did vote for Hillary. The thing is, being in D.C., your vote doesn't really count. It's, it's just like they have on the license plate taxation without representation because we don't have really a voting member of Congress. <laughs> we have yeah. Eleanor Holmes Norton, who's awesome and represents D.C., but... The vote doesn't really count in that way. We don't have senators, etc. Um, but, you know, D.C. always goes, literally always goes like 80% down. Yeah. And so, honestly, it wouldn't have mattered. If, if, yeah. if, I, if I was in Virginia, maybe it would have been a little different, but... Yeah. So I'm from, I'm from New York, and right. I'm a Republican. All right. So... It's always almost like useless for me to yeah. even vote. I mean, it, you do it just for the like. Sake you got of the doing wrong it. color car. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <you're> right. <laughs> but um, currently, right now, if the election was tomorrow, who would you vote for? Well, 
there are three real possibilities, right? Yeah. Bernie, Biden, and let's call him Donnie. Um, <laughs> but the president. Um, at this point in time, I have to say I would absolutely choose one of the two opponents. Mm-hmm. Um, simply because I haven't seen a great response around this you know, outbreak. And yeah. there's a number of policies I've also disagreed with. Um, I worked, as I mentioned, both sides of the aisle. You know, I'm now a small business owner, so I can see both sides of an argument quite well, actually. And on the one side, you see, well, has Trump put in place policies that are good for business? Yeah, to some degree. Big business, particularly. Small business, not so much. But as a second piece, you know, you got to look at not just what benefits one person, right? We're in, just like with this whole virus thing, we're in it together as a country. You know, we either succeed or fail as a country. And whether that's on healthcare, whether that's on, you know, do you think this virus could is as big as it's being made out to be? Or do you think it's a little bit inflated? Bigger. I think it's bigger than it's being perceived. In the United States particularly, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, as in, obviously more people have it that are on record because there's not enough testing going on. But um, when, I, when I say bigger, I mean it as in the severity of how bad it could get. Absolutely. So based on current numbers, these numbers are supposed to go down and they're from the Journal of the American Medical Association. If you're under 40, the mortality rate is two tenths of a percent with no underlying conditions. And these are all for people without underlying conditions. I I personally have autoimmune. So if I was to get it, I would probably be screwed. Same deal. And And I should not be traveling from state to state meeting random people. (laughs) Well, exactly. You might want to turn on like your bioweapon. Yeah, they have the bio bio defense. So... You know, the thing is, um, yeah, it'll turn on you, (laughs) the fan a little high, but, um, you know, the thing is that, um, it's two tenths of a percent. This is with no underlying conditions for people under 40, then for 40 to 50, it jumps to four tenths of a percent. And then when you get to the older crowd, like my parents' age, 70 to 80 is 8%, which that's one in eight, you know, or rather eight out of a hundred people, right? Like, you know, you're talking about a huge number. And then for people over 80, you're talking 14.8% is the mortality rate, 15 out of every 100, basically. That's a lot. Yeah. And between the two, 23 out of 100, that's almost 25%, right? Like one in four, we're talking now. And that's without underlying conditions. Now think about all the people you know who may have an autoimmune issue, whether that's something maybe they don't even know they might have. Um, And I want to ask you. Yeah. What would your two, like, wh- what would you think would be the best proper solutions? And I, I want, it's, it's obviously, there's, not, there's no one proper solution, but if you were to do this in a small government fashion, how would you think the best way to go? And how would you think the best way to go in a big government fashion without going too far in each end? Because we saw what China did. China is a little bit of a tough case because one, you can't really trust the numbers, even though their mortality rates seem to align. They could be just scaling it down. But then they also did in total fumigations of cities and lockdowns. It's not yeah. something I that's not something that's going to happen in America, at least not at this point. 
But what would you think at this point right now would be the most you would go to big government and then the least you would go? Well, the first thing I would do is with any sort of crisis, honesty is your currency, right? You got to be upfront. You got to be open. You got to tell people what's going on. And, you know, people will remember if you pay attention and listen, people will remember what you say and that matters. So, you know, the reality is if you're honest with people and say, Hey, this is what's going on. This is what you need to do. And you approach it that way from the beginning. Now, this is right. This is if I am in charge from beginning, right? But from this point in time on, it's really getting the message out there. And in this case, right, working with business leaders, um, the president, not last, I think it was actually last night, maybe it was the night before, I can't recall, um, had a call with the CEOs of a whole bunch oh, of Oh, by the way, the date, the date that we're recording this, because it may not go live, is it, is it the 17th? Yep, St. Patrick's Day. 3.17, so when he says yesterday, he's referring yeah, to Yeah, it was either the 16th or the 15th yeah. evening. Um, the president had a phone call with the CEOs of the major grocery chains, you know, the, the Albertsons, the Kroger's, the, you know, yeah. uh, Whole Foods, whatever, Trader Joe's, all that. As well as with the people, um, the the you know, CEOs of, you know, some of the suppliers, right? The companies that provide, you know, meat or you know Purdue, like Smithfield Purdue, um, you know, vegetables and produce, that kind of stuff, to the supermarkets, right? So the supply chain to find out, okay, do we have a enough food around, okay. right, for people, and then B. What happens when, you know, of course, the stores sell out, the warehouses restock the stores, are the warehouses getting restocked, right? And, you know, that is an example of thinking in advance, that planning, of working with, you know, private industry to ensure that people are taken care of. That's a limited government approach. That's that's the the public-private partnership. I've noticed... Every States single has. company that I ever have any affiliation with, like when I subscribe to their newsletters or if I'm uh, subscribed to them because of payment systems, I think I've got an email from every single company about mm-hmm. something coronavirus related. And it, it's nice, refreshing to see that. I did see when I logged into my bank, they said, if you have trouble paying bills because of layoffs of coronavirus, contact us here. Yep. If you have trouble with this, contact us if you need this. And it's nice and refreshing to see those companies all working because they they know we're all in this together they know that when the when the economy takes the massive downturn from all the shutdowns from it it's going to affect them and if they keep playing hardball with people they're not going to get their money because people don't have jobs so they know they got to kind of uh, work it out together and then once we're back on proper pace everything goes back to normal and that's just it right in order to do that even you know we talk about big government little government but let's face it when you have the Fed jump in and lower interest rates, the base rate to almost zero. When you have a $700 billion quantitative easing package and the B word, the bailout word ain't being used, but that's what it is, right? This is a bailout of large corporations. Yeah. Now, the question is this, and I think the question your viewers hopefully are asking themselves, as well as you know, we should be asking ourselves is, 
how much of this could have been avoided with good corporate governance and corporate stewardship, right? You had companies making banner profits for years now. Tons of money. I mean, bigger and bigger profits. Why do you think the stock market went so high? But now, when, pardon my language, but yes, mm -hmm. it's the fan. The fact of the matter is, they still show up at the federal government's front door looking for money because they can't handle the crisis. Now, you can ask yourself whether or not that's fair. You can ask yourself whether or not we should do anything. Now, in a crisis like this, I make the argument of, yeah, we're all in it together. Yeah. So I think we should. A crisis like this is so much different than a crisis in dealing like the with the recession. Because yep. that's like kind of like business is business. You got to sort that out. But this is something that's yes beyond anyone beyond, else's yeah. control, right? Like, And that's the point. Um, and it's no one's fault, right? It's literally, you just deal with it head on. We've all had these issues, yeah. you know. And that's the point that in this case, I actually do make the argument, yeah, we should. But I also think, and this is my point about big government, small government, you talk about regulation. A, a company is going to be more able to deal with these issues if they're smart and they have money on hand. I'll just give you the example of American Airlines. I was reading an article last night. Had banner years, you know, with all the baggage fees, everything else, you know, billions of dollars in profit each year. And you know what? They're still, and they are getting slammed right now, no yeah. doubt, because of, you know, almost no one's traveling. Thing is that they decided, all right, we're going to do share buybacks. We're going to buy back the stock of our company to yeah. raise the share price, raise the dividend, you know, make the people that own the stock more money. Well, that's what the money got used for. And yeah, they own all the equity. Now the company has all this equity. They own this many that shares. That money's also going to the people that buy it off of too. So if you were to yeah. own it, if no, well, that's just it, it right? Up and you'd sell it. I don't know the st statistic offhand, but while a lot of people are invested through their 401, the majority of the money in the stock market is up at the top. Yeah. Um, you know, as Me far personally, as people, I, when Trump took office, I my portfolio almost like up 40%, 50%. Now it it's, was. <laughs> yeah, it was. Now it, it took a dip. Some of my Some of my stuff is still up. Some of the stuff is down, but I just saw it as an opportunity to re-up on stuff. Well, I'm, me personally, yeah. I'm not a financial advisor, but I'm just re-upping as it goes down because if one day a vaccine comes out, the market might just skyrocket. You know, that's the inevitability. Something positive could happen. Yeah. And that's for people that have cash to do yeah. it. Exactly. I'm fortunate enough to be able to do that. A lot of people are the majority. In yeah. fact, we're talking 75, 80 yeah. percent of the population in the United Millions States. Of people are already already out of work. Millions of people. And that's I the know. point. So what I'm trying to say is this, that, you know, we talk about slashing regulation and making it easier for business. And let me tell you, being a property developer in D.C. ain't easy. There is regulation up the wazoo. It's, it's almost as bad as Manhattan, to be honest. Jeez. But. The fact is, I understand the need for it, 
And there's got to be a balance. I don't deny that. But I understand the need for it because of this example. Say, for example, American Airlines, and you can say the market should have determined this, but they didn't. American Airlines saved more of its billions of dollars instead of doing share buybacks and trying to bump up the price of the share per share and try to bump up their dividend. Instead, they had all that cash banked. You think that they necessarily need to go to Uncle Sam, the taxpayer, us, this is our money, by the way, for that handout in order to keep functioning? In order yeah, to stay that's, afloat, that's my problem with a lot of these businesses. That's that's the problem with you know all these big corporations and lobbying groups donating to get certain elected officials in there. I'm not a fan of any of that. And the fact is, right, whatever party you're from, there is a basic point responsibility, right? Whether you talk about pollution, whether you talk about the environment, whether you talk about you know how you treat your workers, healthcare, anything. We're all required to be personally responsible for our finances, for our home, be a good neighbor, all that. Every now and then you do see com certain companies that do that. Not all. And a lot of times you see them acting irresponsibly as yeah. far as just looking at the bottom line and profits. Yeah, and they're, they're using their, how many workers they have as leverage well, we need this, we need this money because, yeah. you know, a million people are going to be out of work if you don't give us money. But the thing is, if you say no, those businesses will figure it out and <laughs> they won't lay anybody. Well, they'll probably give maybe some depending on well, the specific case, but the businesses will still function. They'll figure out a way to function. This time? This Wait, well, I mean, this but year. the problem is the ripple effect through the economy, right? Like yeah. you let a business with 50,000, 100,000, a million people on the payroll. You know, you see the way, like that. The, the way I the way I look at it as, let's say a company goes out of business. Maybe they should go out of business. Maybe they're behind the times. Maybe they can't pull a profit because they're not paying people enough. The, the too much competition. The market value of that particular good, service, or product is not what it used to be. Mm -hmm. Or even if it was a company that just did bad business decisions, but they could do really well, that demand will be met somewhere else or the competing companies will absorb that demand, which will return, give people more jobs back. Maybe, maybe not as much as before, but it's it moves. Well, that happens sometimes. But then what also happens, as the example is, right? When you have small, you know, they're called oligopolies, right? We have three major carriers in the United States. You know, United, American, and Delta. Yeah. Right? Um, when you have that sort of situation, right? And yeah, there's Southwest, there's JetBlue, and there are plenty of other airlines. I'm not saying that they're on. But the real big players, there's three of them. And that means that there is less price flexibility. And this was the whole thing with the whole Sprint T-Mobile merger, if you pay attention to business news, that got dragged out for ages. When you have fewer competitors, there's less price flexibility there's less competitiveness in the market to benefit consumers you know what, what would you what, what would you propose to help smaller companies get in on the market well that's just it you got to level the playing field yeah you can't make it 
that difficult. So, and you say, well, we'll reduce regulation. Regulation typically is not the reason small businesses don't or have difficulty competing with big businesses. It's because the big businesses got so much cash, got so rich that small businesses literally just can't. And as a small business yeah. owner, you know, I do, you know, I property development, townhouse to condo conversion type of thing, right? Think house flipping show, except with the condo conversion built in. So when, I, I'm just curious, what, what are your thoughts on minimum wage? Well, I think that we have gone from a society where you could have somebody who could support a, you know, themselves as well as two kids, maybe even buy a house on minimum wage 40 years ago, and now you can't. Yeah. I think that for the vast majority of Americans, that's unfair and it's unreasonable. And, you, you know, you Would look, you support fight for 15? Would you support $15? I don't know nearly enough about yeah. the issue to say, all right, because I do know that there's two sides to any issue yeah. and there's two sides to this one as well. Because um, what I was going to say is um, if you were to be someone that would be fighting for 15, that would directly affect smaller businesses more than the bigger businesses. Because as you said, they, the bigger businesses have money in the bank. They can afford it and then the smaller businesses wouldn't be able to get to that level. Yes, that is true, actually. But the counter argument, right, when I say it's true, as far yeah. as I, you know, from my estimation, I like, I'm not an expert on this. Yeah, I don't, yeah. as I said, know not enough economist. about this. <laughs> but the fact is, with this particular issue, what happens when, you know, people, regular working people, get an extra dollar in their pocket? They got two choices, save or spend. Now, if they're not making ends meet to begin with, that means they're not saving it. They're going to spend it. Where did they spend it? They spend it at stores. They spend it as, you know, Safeway. They spend it at, you know, buying something at the local hardware store, if there are any left after Home Depot, right? Yeah. Um, but those dollars go back into the economy. And the multiplier on consumer goods actually is significantly Every higher than someone on... spends, chip goes to the government. Well, no, that's not what I'm talking about when oh. I talk about the multiplier. The multiplier effect is if I give you a dollar, right? Because I buy something from you. You go... It's 60 cents, maybe. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, well, <laughs> yeah, no, you're talking about that I know what you at mean, the highest yeah. income bracket. But yeah. that's not what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about is, okay, you'll take that dollar and go buy a cup of coffee. The, the you know person who made the cup of coffee or owns that small coffee shop takes that dollar and goes buys beans from the local yeah. roaster. And because of that, the money has a multiplied effect inside the system. So, you know... Yes, and there's yeah. there's taxes at different so stages. The, the only problem with that, because that that's eventually that dollar does go away as taxes and chips are taken off slowly. But it's because like, I I get that, but mm -hmm. it's like that's if there was like zero percent tax on that dollar. That same exact dollar but will find its way around. But when you're taking one. a little bit off each time somebody buys something with the dollar with sales tax or income tax. But here's the thing. When you talk about business expenses, they're all tax deductible, which means that they're not paying tax on those dollars. That's only so, if, you, if if you don't profit. But well, what I'm if talking you're profiting, you are paying. Well, you, of course, profit, yeah. but profit is over and above. So whatever percentage profit of that dollar, yeah, that may come off. Yeah. But frankly, 
Because if, if I'm buying $100 worth of goods, but I got to buy that from somebody else, mm-hmm. that $100 is a write-off for me, but that $100 for them is cash flow minus what it costs them to produce that. Mm-hmm. And then, but that other part, then that guy has got to feed his family, right? So he may be paying income taxes, but he's still got to feed his family. He's still got to do, you know, all those other things. And so he takes that money and goes and spends it. Now, yeah. portion, it's not as simple as 5%, 5%, 5%, yeah, and after course, 20, t- 20 transactions, way, there's nothing left from the government. Way more complicated. It is far more complicated, and frankly, all of these issues are, and that's what makes them so hard to understand. You know, I'm lucky I had a good education. The two guys I worked for, actually, right? I told you I worked for a Republican governor and a, a Dem member of Congress. Are you able to say who they are or not? I would prefer not yeah. to. Um one of them has, you know, since passed away. The other one is now um, no longer in office. So it's immaterial, actually. The thing is, one of them, you know, lived and died by the spreadsheet, right? Yeah. Actually, they both did. They're both fiscally conservative, socially moderate. There wasn't a whole lot of difference between them. And the thing is this, the thing that gets me, you know, you and I are having a conversation at the end of this, you know, shake hands, fist bump, whatever yeah. in this case, right? We got to <laughs> evolve with the time, so we'll fist bump. The fact is that we'll have a conversation. We may be at different ends of the issue, but you smile, you shake hands, you go on. And there's always, we're fine. there is that middle ground of things that we do support. We do acknowledge the yeah. same problems. We do acknowledge that certain things would fix the same thing. It's just like the way of getting there is a little bit different the way people say And it. my point is that when it, you look at the United States today, and part of the reason I switched professions, I left politics, right? I worked for, you know, but I'm now a property developer. A big part of that was I saw how toxic things were getting. And I said, the more you move to either extreme, you know, yeah, it's like a pendulum. It's almost like, yeah. you know, you have something at one end, it, it gets, you know, counterbalanced on the other side, right? So you have somebody way left, then you're going to have somebody way right, yeah. you know, and the more each side goes there, that's what balances out. But in reality, governing, running a country where all of us are happiest is in the middle, right? We may disagree about how we get there. We may see what's happened about, you know, income inequality or any number of things that's why a lot of the presidential candidates were fighting for that moderate ground because bernie he's far left Mm -hmm. biden's trying to fight or brand that image he's the more moderate one one, which i think at the end of the day biden might have a let me know if you agree or disagree biden might have a better chance against trump because do you think that or no it all depends on voter turnout it is tough because Sanders, he has the he has a bigger base than Biden. Yeah, way bigger, way better. But they're far left. The thing and they're not gonna. They don't like Biden, but Biden will at least get people that are closer to the middle. When it comes down to it, for me, the most important thing with and I mean today's a particular day with it. We have this outbreak, right? Of of you know this pandemic that we're dealing with. We got to be safe, but there is an important, important thing that has to happen in the next nine months. And that is, we all have to vote 
on who's going to be the next president, who our next Congress is going to be, who our next, you know, or the next, you know, the yeah. third of the Senate, right? As well as state offices. And if we're still in the middle of the pandemic, that's... And the fact is, it tough. doesn't matter whether you're left or right. Before you're left or right, especially, you know, I'm talking to those who can vote and, uh, you know, they're legal aliens, illegal aliens, <laughs> like legal residents. My yeah. parents, you know, I'm brown. My parents emigrated from India legally, um, you know, back in the, you know, 60s and 70s. I'm, <laughs> I'm about <laughs> as American as you get. I grew yeah. up outside Boston, you know, uh, born in the town where the Revolutionary War actually started, you know, the shot heard around the world. That's what I love about America is... We're, we're literally a nation of immigrants. Yep. That's what it is. All of us. And you know, if exactly. you're born in America, the people are like, oh, you're Italian. Your people in Italy are dying. I'm like, I'm American. I'm yeah. like, my genes and genetics might say Italian, but I'm, I'm American. That's what I care about first. <laughs> and so the way I'm going to put it, the reason I put it that way is we're all Americans first. Yeah. You know, we got to care about the process. We got to care about the institutions. Mm. You may benefit right now, you may lose out right now. But at the end of the day, wherever we're going, we're going there together. Or we're not. And then this then we got a bigger problem on yeah. our hands. Yeah. But you know, overall, if we're going there together, we gotta care about how we're treating each other, how we're having these conversations, and the process. It matters. You can listen to whatever news station you want to. I don't care. You know, I actually listen to, you know, again, both the extreme left and then yeah. what is called the extreme right, whether you want to call it. But I try to create my own fair and balanced view. Yeah. The fact is, we have to make sure that we are participating, that we are listening to the arguments, that we are, you know, not just being, you know, reactionary to what somebody says or you know taking it as you know the absolute truth because there's a whole bunch of not to you know yeah. there's a whole bunch of people on the internet that don't know what they're talking about oh tell me about you know it. yeah <laughs> check anything i've said you should be checking anything you know your your podcaster said yeah, as well yeah. like you know you may be listening but or watching but the reality is you need to educate yourself and then have a normal debate and conversation with someone and you can disagree at the end of the day you gotta get out and talk with people because when you understand and it's like especially on the internet it's people create the boogeyman on the internet where mm -hmm. it's like if somebody comes out just, just say you yeah. you're, you're you support a democrat and yeah. you tweet out that you support it the people on the right this goes both ways the people on the opposite side are going to see you as the evil boogeyman mm -hmm. You want to destroy America because you want socialism. And it's 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 not that you want to destroy America. It's just that you have different ways of mm -hmm. how to make it better. And yeah. people need to understand it's it's not malicious. It's not evil. It's mm -hmm. just it's just different ways to promote goodness, yeah. I guess. <laughs> it's it it's all comes from a, a, a kind heart, yeah. a good place. And that's just it. Except you're, if you're an evil, actual evil politician, that's the only difference because you're well, actually doing things. <laughs> you know, but again, I having worked for some of these guys, I wouldn't even call it evil politicians because, yeah, there are some that are, you know, just in it for the next election yeah. type of thing. But for the most part, you know, 
I forget who said it. It's I, I know it's one of Biden's favorite phrases or like something <laughs> he lives by, but like it, it's a valid piece of advice. You know, it's valid to question, you know, how somebody wants to approach a problem. It's valid to question how, you know, you, you know, it's valid to question them on the actual issues. It's not valid to question their motives. Yeah. yeah. You know, because that's how you assume, you know, that's when you assume things are, you know, just bad. But I think if, you question it, don't assume. Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily even question someone's motives because here's the thing. And how do you find out the ones with bad motives if you don't question? I think it becomes apparent over time. You know, I at least have that much optimism. Yeah. And I mean, I've yeah. been in politics. I've, I've, hurt i know the cynicism that's why i left for a little bit at least um but you know it does become apparent over time what people care about and if it looks like they're just out for themselves and that comes out in conversation it comes out in the approach to problems mm -hmm. you know so you know if you find that a say a party is favoring a whole bunch of policies that you don't like, you know, or is favoring, you know, just big business and like, you know, straight out yeah. and the idea that that is going to take care of everybody, you know, if either there was, way. If there's one issue that you care about the most that will decide who you vote for, what would that one issue be? And it's not going to be the, it can't be the pandemic stuff, like an actual yeah. issue that goes on every <laughs> election. You know, there's two things. I know that the general is going to be a dirty fight. Yeah. Because, you know. It's also, I feel like that's also partially because of the way social media made our culture evolve. That's part of it. I also think that, you know, when you have somebody whose first reaction is to counterpunch, right? Before he even thinks, to be honest, um, you know, the president's first reaction is to counterpunch. You know, somebody hits you, he'll punch back. And, you know, he doesn't, you know, in all fairness, he doesn't really care what he goes after, right? Mm -hmm. He'll just go after. And, you know, some people see that as, as a positive quality. I think That's it can thing. be. It's debatable. But, you know, <clears throat> that to me, I think, is one of the reasons why <laughs> I still think Thank you. Um, that is one of the reasons why I think we should have a level of civility enter back into this equation. Yeah. Because let's face it, as a country, we're hurting. You know, not just you know certain groups economically, not just yeah. you know. I think kind but of we're hurting. I keep think kind of Trump was not a creation of what was going on, but kind of like the counter to mm -hmm. the way, because obviously you know this, the media, Hollywood, it's all super left and Trump is right. And when Mitt Romney was running, Mitt Romney wasn't savvy like Trump. He was just kind of, he was kind of a, a plain politician that had screw ups and miss ups and the media and the social media is really focused and dived in and Trump was really good with words and good comebacks and like wow. had them. 
And then I saw Cruz and Trump when they were in the primary. And I noticed Cruz was coming off as more of like the white bread politician. And Trump was in like the, the brass coming in there, you know, screwing things up type politician. And he kind of just rose to the top because when all the attacks of the media and the establishment and everything came out, what beat that was Trump being Trump, not being a white bread and talking proper. What beat it was punching back. And that is true. I don't deny that he, that his personality and, you know, leave aside whatever you thought of his TV show. I think that taught him a lot because prior to that time, he wasn't, you know, he, yeah, he had gotten a lot of tabloid attention and in the eighties and whatnot, but yeah, he got really media savvy with that role. And well, I do think that served him very well in the last election. And, yeah. you know, he has continued to try to utilize it. He's an icon, too. He's not just an actor. He's well an icon. People have known him and known him well for a long time. It's like you when know? you talk about successful, rich billionaires, Trump, it's just, it's just Trump. Like, he's the pop culture of media one that's just... Well, you know, I was watching Die Hard from, like, the 90s. Five one mm -hmm. die three and they were like and they brought up Trump just like as a billion as a rich guy you know like he, was he a, is in that way well known for it you know when we think about the actual numbers behind it <laughs> he is wealthy he's yeah. in that top whatever number yeah. but you know when you talk about when you comparing his billions to Bill Gates and Bezos billions. Yeah, it's, or even, I mean, I don't know if people really realize, but when you talk about the gentleman who dropped out of the election uh, on the Dem side, Bloomberg, I mean, oh, Bloomberg's so worth $60 billion. Nuts. You know, <laughs> and even if you take, you know, whatever you believe about Trump, even if you take what he claimed is maximum at some point, I think it was 11 or 15 or something, I don't even, even know. Even if it's half that. Yeah. But like it wasn't even one, yeah. one tenth. Like, like yeah, compared to these guys, and that's obviously, why obviously even one billion dollars is a lot of money. In, like unfathomable hey, <laughs> amount of money. Like that's insane. Yeah. But then when you see Jeff Bezos has like 150 times one billion, like that's mm -hmm. that's madness. It is. It <laughs> really madness. is. And that's just it. Like after a certain point, you know, you got to wonder. Does that much money matter? And you say, well, at that point, I wonder how much is in cash because that's mostly probably is. It's stock. mostly it's mostly Amazon stock, yeah. right? Like when the markets drop now by you it's know eight thousand points, it's dropped by a lot too. But the thing is this that you know whether you and this I think was the point that you know Elizabeth Warren, who's also now dropped out, was trying to make that after a certain level. It really doesn't matter how much you have. It doesn't matter. And, it, you know, that's just it. That if that, if then taxing is going to actually... That's the problem is it, it doesn't, it, it kind of does not matter, but it does matter in the sense of one, how do you tax that if it's mostly assets? How do you also having that capital allows them to do other investments where they would need to invest $2 billion into a project. Yeah. They have the capital to do that. So there are well, investments out there that need billions of hundreds of millions of dollars. That doesn't usually happen on an individual basis though, right? No. Bezos himself isn't spending that $2 billion typically unless it's to go to space. 
Um, yeah, I think Elon Musk is like spending his own money. Yeah, there there are some that do, yeah. but all, most of them don't. Right? It's done through you know shared pools of investing. Yeah. But at the end of the day, that again, right? It comes to I agree emotionally. Somebody taking my money, I'm not happy with that. But here's the thing: just like we say, you know, part of our taxes goes towards common defense. You know, we need a strong military, border. But the question then becomes, what else is good for us as a whole? What is going to move us forward as a country? And I'm sorry, you know, this is where I disagree and say, all right, at the top, that little bit, they're not going to miss it. Emotionally, yeah, absolutely. It's like, nah, don't touch my money. But would that money help? 95% of the country? Abso-freaking-lutely. And in an unmeasurable way. But that's and the thing so is that what, what, what would give us the right to take money that he earned and made? And I, I personally think I probably spent thousands of dollars on Amazon. And I think the, the service that he created and provided is unimaginable. Mm-hmm. something that no one's ever been done before. You want food to go to your house. You want anything to come to your house, same day delivery, you click it. Someone shows up to your door with whatever you need. And okay. they're working on razor thin margins too, like 1%. But here's the question. Do you tax the fortune or do you make it harder to accrue that fortune? Because here's the point, right? You asked me a little bit earlier about the minimum wage. What if you put that money in the people's pockets at the beginning? It means he earns a little less at the end. Fairness, right? But he did increase workers' pay. Well, he, especially right now, and they're going right to hire 100,000 yeah. people for like the warehouse and delivery because, quite frankly, you know, a be lot overloaded. of us, well, they already are. Yeah. And, you know, all these companies are for delivery and pickups and all that. So, yeah. you know, um, thing is, do you do that? I'd make the argument that, yeah, maybe you do, because if you are able to give, you know, somebody more living wage, then that's going to help, you know, them with their family, their expenses, their bills. So I think something needs to happen. And the question really then becomes, do you know that? Do you think that there will be an economic impact if, let's say, everybody starts to get paid more? Because, I mean, the prices of goods will then increase. Well, everything will increase along with the minimum wage. That could be the biggest not, issue. But not in a commensurate way, right? Because if most I, economists... My, my family owns a restaurant. Yeah. I opened my own food joint, personally, and we closed it down because we couldn't afford to pay the rent. And I was at the time, I think it was like $10 we had to pay mm-hmm. on employees and it's going up to like 12, 13, 14, yeah. 15, whatever it is now. And I was looking back, I was like, oh my God, if, if we had to pay our employees that much, we really wouldn't have been able to be in business. And like, and, and the only way to afford to be in business is increase the prices. I was, I was doing grilled cheeses. Okay. So I would have to increase the prices of my grilled cheeses. And when that increases, you know, then it's just increased the price of everything. Now, you know, all the equipment you get is going to go up because the the price to manufacture that equipment goes up and just everything will just be boosted up the scale. It does. But 
if you think about it, human nature is to think about that from our current perspective, right? Okay. Let's take that argument in reverse. I'm sorry, one, one more thing. Sure. I, I have a buddy who's been working at a job for 10 years. It's not a job he wants, it's not a career, but he's been working there for a while trying to find a career. And when he started working, the minimum wage was like eight seventy five, and he was able just from working there for a long time, he was able to get his wage up, I think, to like eighteen, nineteen dollars. So when fifteen minimum wage kicks in, which is happening in New York, I don't remember, I don't know the exact number. I think it's fifteen. I don't know if it kicked in or not already, but when it kicks in, it kind of demotes kind of what he was working up for because he was finally getting ahead. Now somebody new coming in is getting paid just just under as much as he's getting paid. And they're a new employee while he's been there for 10 years, at least trying to get ahead. Well, and you know what? Here's the thing. You can make the argument that he was being and is being underpaid because of that. And so that is an argument that I think your friend should absolutely make to his employer. And, and then he, the employer he tried to get paid more when the minimum wage went up, and he was like, "I can only give you like fifty cents more other than that." He's like, "I I can't give you more than that. Like you'd be getting paid too much for this well, job." Well, then that's when you to look at potentially moving to a different place, right? Yeah, and that's see, what he's. That's what he's. He's trying to find a career. Yeah. he's just at this job. And so, for the sake of being there. my point though is, right? We try to evaluate things from our current perspective of, oh, I can't afford it if the price goes up. Here's the thing. If you're making more, and if as a point, the wage rises more than the incremental price increase, then you're going to be further ahead. And it's hard to take those kinds of things on faith, especially if you're a small business owner. Look, you know, if I do, you know, if my costs go up, then it's going to be harder for me to, you know, sell a house or sell a, you know, condo because it's going to, the price will be higher, right? Yeah. And there's a limit to what people can afford, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, and there is a balance to that. The contractor I work with has been in business for like 25 years. He is, you know, his guys are W-2. And if you know general contractors, almost none of them are all ever on W-2. <laughs> like their employees are all like 1099s, yeah. not W-2s. So from my perspective, if you have, you know, somebody they can retain his employees and he's been in business up market, down market, and he keeps his people busy, he pays them a living wage. That's, you know, somebody who said, I'm willing to take a cut to my profitability for other people to live. I was reading this story about Ben and Jerry. And Ben and Jerry is a Republican. Who? Oh, the, 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 the contract, yeah. my contract. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing. I he like it when it and I, says I like it when I see businesses independently on their own free will increase the wages for specific reasons. Now I do know there's a story about Ben and Jerry, and I call it the story of socialism fail. That's what I call it, and it's not widely known. I I read it somewhere. I seen it around. I, I confirmed the story to make sure it was real. Correct me if I'm wrong if you're watching this, but they had a, a policy. I think I don't. The ratio always changed. It was like a three to one policy mm -hmm. where their highest paid employee couldn't get paid more than three times than their lowest paid employee. Mm -hmm. And it seems noble, like, oh, that, that's that's good. You know, everybody's getting paid within a certain scale. Then as the company started to grow, 
they had to widen the scale to get better CEOs and better mm-hmm. employees. And the scale went from like three to one to 10 to one, and then to 25 to one, and then 30 to one, and then 100 to one. And the scale kept on going higher and higher. And to the point where they eventually, I think, sold the company and they don't even have that anymore. But I was looking at it. I was like, they're trying to implement socialism at a business level, which is which is fine. Like, if you want to do that as a company, go ahead and do it. But then I was looking, I was like, but wait, they're sitting at the top making tens of millions of dollars. Shouldn't the ratio work based on the profitability of the company? Shouldn't the owner of Ben and Jerry be the three and the janitor be the one? But they were doing it as, you know, the production, the, the, the CEO was the three and the janitor was the one. And they were the, they weren't even on the scale. Whatever they wanted to pay them, they paid. And they were profiting big. And I think that that, you know, in that case of profitability, I wouldn't call that socialism because I wouldn't actually, I don't think that actually works within the model. But yeah, fair enough. I, I get your point. That's what they, that's what they're, they were trying to prove that it works. But they, they, they didn't implement it the way it was even designed for. You know, even if they'd taken that company and gone public and then, you know, it was shareholders as opposed to being owned by, yeah. you know, whatever conglomerate like Kraft Foods or something. Yeah. I don't know who bought them, so yeah. I don't know, but, you know, whatever. Whole idea is that, you know, the profitability of a company, profit's important. I couldn't survive without it. I got to make a profit. Mm-hmm. But am I willing to take a smaller profit so that I'm not driving, you know, and I got to take this little <laughs> poke, a fancy Tesla. <laughs> um, but, you know, am I willing to take that cut and then drive, you know, a less expensive car? Yeah, I am. Because I know that the people who work for me and work with me, they got to earn a living. They got to eat. They got to take care of their families. And not only do I want their loyalty, right? Do I want to work with my contractor, you know, but that's, that's the difference between small businesses and big businesses, because you have a better relationship with the people who you work for. It's a community versus a big business. I'm, I don't know if this is a big business. I'm not familiar with this brand, but put it in Safeway. Yeah, Safeway, no. it's owned by Albertsons. It's a large grocery yeah, like company. The owner of that company doesn't know who's working there. But no. you're the owner of your company. You know every single person that's working there. You've probably been to their house for dinner. You, you know, you've got a relationship. And that's just it. And the thing is, but, you know, they say the point of business is to grow, right? Like, that's just yeah. what happens, right? Like, we all... That's yeah. capitalism. We all got to strive for more profit, more efficiency. Yeah. That's the competitive market. Well, I hate to tell it to you, that means every business wants to become a big business. Yeah. And let's face it, everybody in this country, we all want to be billionaires. Yeah, everybody. It would be wonderful if we all <laughs> I was were. I talking to my not. partner earlier today. I'm like, we got to make a billion dollars already. Come on. <laughs> he's like, dude, he's like, we're not going to make a billion dollars. <laughs> and that's the point. So, you know, it's not saying that no one can. It's not saying yeah. that, you know, but you need to create something that like almost changes the world to get that money. And, you know, my take is that if 
I do well, yeah, other people are going to do well. But here's the question. Do I say, well, I'll help them out later? Or do I make sure they can pay their bills from the beginning and that all of us move up together? Honestly, I think that second approach works better than the first approach. Because in that yeah. first approach, it's that the money ends up way up at the top. And then it, a lot of it stays there. Yeah. And unfortunately, that leads to this discrepancy between, you know, those that have and don't and all that, you know, but from my perspective, right, you asked me early on if I, who I supported and you talked about a little bit about socialism, but I'm going to, you know, leave you guys with this sort of thought, you know, we pay insurance premiums on our cars, health insurance, blah, 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 right? We also all pay taxes. I'm not a Bernie fan per se, but I do know his point, and this is a valid question. What's the difference between a tax and a premium if you still end up with it out of your pocket? From my perspective, there isn't. As long as you're getting something in return for that, right? Now, Bernie was talking about Medicare for all and blah, blah, blah. For those that don't know, Medicare is a government program, and it was created because, frankly, insurance for seniors was getting too expensive and a whole slew yeah. of things, but that was 40 years ago, 50 years ago before I was born. But the thing is, Medicare's overall overheads are something like 2%. The biggest... You know, like the United Healthcare, the Blue Cross, the Aetna's, the Cigna's, whatever, right? Their overheads, their expenses are somewhere between 11 and 14%. So now I do live in DC, but I got respect for that because that is one efficient business then. And seniors pay premiums for Medicare. So, you know, ask yourself that question. Really? What's the difference? Now, personally, I got private insurance. I want to keep my private insurance. Yeah. But I'll also tell you this, that, you know, I went from working for someone else to working for myself. And this is some a point also within this whole political discussion. You know, and I know Obamacare has been good for some, bad for others and whatnot, right? And I know that word Obama name can can really get people going sometimes it's not what am i what my intent is here my intent is just to say i started a small business because i could buy affordable health insurance that's the kind of stuff that helps grow an economy you know i didn't think i'd ever need it i didn't think i would you know be participating in it but having that exchange and in fact it's private insurance obamacare for the most part is a healthcare exchange it's the ability to buy private insurance. Now, you know what? For, for individuals and small businesses, if that helps those company, those, those small businesses grow, then again, right? So when we talk about this debate of big government, small government, there's a little bit of a misnomer in it because sometimes all it takes is working out the right 
way to approach these problems. You know, our insurance thing, that's a public-private partnership, right? Most of the insurance is private insurance with through these yeah, healthcare the exchanges. The only problem with it is it comes into its... The people who don't use it are still going to have to pay for it. We all still have to pay for it yeah, anyway. Like that's Because that's the problem. when you go to the doctor, it's expensive. It's or you like, go to the hospital, if you don't have insurance, you still pay for it. It's just you pay for it, you know, for the people. Yeah, that, it, it's... It's like um, in California, they have like Cali Care or something like that. I don't, I don't remember what it is, but my girlfriend is on it, and she says it's the worst thing in the world. She goes, it's, it, it's made for the illegals. She says she goes, and no one even speaks English. She didn't, didn't she didn't even, she left. She mm -hmm. went to go get a regular checkup, and she left because she's like, I'm not doing that. And I'm like, well. You know, you're already paying for that with your taxes. I'm paying for that with my taxes. But she wanted to go get private. And that's the thing. Is she's still going to have to pay for that shitty service with her taxes while also paying for her own private insurance because she wants actually good care. But that's actually, and, and uh, having looked into this a little bit, you know, one, you know, maybe some of the people are, maybe some of them aren't. But I can say there are plenty of people your ancestors. Um, my parents actually came to this country speaking English, but you know, a lot of you know Italians came from Italy, not speaking English. Yeah. They came legally. There's a lot of folks in this country who are here legally that also don't speak English that learn. Yeah. The kids learn. So you know, to jump to the conclusion, one, let's 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 be a little bit more judicious, personally. Two. I'd well, say. the only reason why I say that it was kind of made for the illegals and there's all Spanish is because they, the government specifically says they, they give the health care. They, you know, they did that in New York that illegal immigrants will get, you know, free college and free this. So, like it, that, that's why I say it is that it seems like they're specifically making it for them. First, I would suggest, I strongly suggest you look it up and find those parts of the bill. You as well, because, you know, when you. If you do find that it says that or find the clip where they say, we are yeah. absolutely going to do this. Okay, fair enough. I think you'll have a tough time doing it. We do hear some of these things. They are dog whistles too. But you know what? Overall, if say somebody, let's say, doesn't matter whether legal or, or illegal, goes into the emergency room. Your girlfriend has private insurance. The hospital is required to, you know, take care of the person. You know, we as a country, we have, we do not let people die on the street. You know, we're just not that country. Yeah, or right outside the emergency room. Yeah. You know, and unless you want to become that country, which I don't think we do, I think we we all mostly yeah. are in agreement about that. Part of what makes America great is the fact that we don't let people just sit yeah. out there and die. Some countries do. But the fact is that that person went to the emergency room, got care, didn't have insurance. Hospital has to cover their costs. So what's going to happen? The price is going to be higher for what they charge your girlfriend, whether that's directly through, you know, her, co you know, to her whether that's to her insurance company, 
And then the insurance company has to get that money somewhere. We all pay for it, regardless. It doesn't matter, legal, illegal right now, actually. Because of that one thing. Because we don't let people die in the street. And I am 100% saying that we should not. Yeah, no, you know, I don't think we should. My, my, well, as I mentioned, my, my family came, my parents came from India. I've seen that type of thing. Yeah. India is mean, a democracy, largest democracy in the world, 1.3 billion people. So many people. Yeah. Four times the number of people, one third the amount of land. That means 12 times the population density. So imagine if you have two people living in your home, imagine 24 people living in your home. <laughs> That's what it's like. So. And it's not as rich of a country neither, so exactly. it makes it even worse. So that's the thing, they can't take care of everybody. And that's why they yeah. try to, you know, that's trying they're trying to change that over time. But I think they've been making some achievements they have. Know, right? As a But this country, you know, that's we went through that time. We're no longer there. We can afford in that way as a country to say, all right, we're not gonna let people die in the street. So, you know, in saying that, we got to realize that I do love that we do have a lot of very good charities in America, yeah. usually funded by the super wealthy and the super rich. I do know there's a lot of the top billionaires who said when when they die, all their money is going to charity. Besides, like maybe like a hundred and something million for their kids, which is great. Yeah. That's really good stuff. They're donating all their wealth. Hopefully, it goes to the proper places that don't extort the money for their own personal gain but you know gates a lot of profit etc they've signed a giving pledge saying they're, yeah. they're giving it all away which is awesome bezos hasn't done it yet yeah um, bezos is like known as the one to donate the least amount of things i've noticed and the thing is you know when you look at all the problems it's it's very easy to say that it's this narrow little scope the wider view that's really what we got to look at, right? That's what happens when you evaluate nationwide problems. Because, yeah, there's always going to be winners and losers. Whether you talk about business, whether you talk about life, there's going to be people that end up with a little more, a little less. Do I want to be one that ends up with more? Sure. <laughs> but here's the thing. Do you want to be a good neighbor? I think you do. Yeah. I know I do. If I got to take a little bit of a hit, not a big one, but a little bit of a hit, so that my neighbor's okay too, I'm okay with that. You know, we need more people that run businesses like that. It's not just running businesses like that, but it's running and looking at our country that way. Yeah, because I mean, you're you, in a position where you you can actually help somebody. A lot of people aren't. Well, you know, I mean, I mean, I I help my friends whenever I can. If they're in yeah. trouble, it's like, yo, don't worry about anything. You know, I got you. But I don't. As it's a little different than, yeah. you know, them working for me. It's like, I try to tell them, like, I don't want to help you because I would rather yeah. you as yeah. an individual learn and figure it mm -hmm. out. And that was a part when I, I moved out of home when I was 18. I moved to Los Angeles from New York with nothing but whatever I saved up in my bank account and my suitcase. And there was a time where I wasn't able to, to pay for my rent because mm -hmm. I got screwed over by a company I was working yeah. for. And my I called my parents. I'm like, I can't pay rent. Like, what do I do? They, you know, they said they, they're like, figure it out. <laughs> I was like, well, I don't know how I'm gonna figure it out. I ended up figuring it out, but I saw that as a great learning lesson. Where it's mm -hmm. like, you know, 
when your back's against the wall, you figure it out. Like you have to figure it out. That's how you learn. And ever since that moment, I've never had to ask anybody for anything ever. And that's one thing, right? Like there are people, you were able to figure it out. You know, there's, there's some people that can't, and that's why we got to have, you know, safety program. And there's, you know, good example, right? People are going to get laid off because of this, you know, health issue, this pandemic. That's no fault of their own. We got to have the systems in place. We got to have all this stuff. And actually, that is one difference. And I don't think a lot of people realize this, having worked on the government side and like not directly for the federal government. I didn't actually ever work directly for the federal government, but working for members of Congress, working for like, you know, a a governor. I'm running out of time. So final thought. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Basically, it was this that. um, Shit, sorry, I lost my train of thought. (laughs) I messed you up. Um, (laughs) Oh, you said you didn't work for the federal government. Oh, yeah. um, um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> We've been on that talking one. for over an hour. Yeah, this, yeah, this, this went on longer than I so, expected. But yeah. um, now, you know, it's if anything, I'll just say that having a broad perspective. Oh, this is what it is. As a small <laughs> business owner, I've got you know, I can be reactive to a problem, right? But the government can't really do that right you don't start building yeah. tanks as the example goes after you go to war unless it's world war ii and it's so big it's going to last a while <laughs> you, you you build the tanks in advance you get the bullets in advance because you need them ready yeah when it comes to FEMA, when it comes to health care when it comes to all these things within government we need to be ready. You can't work as business. There's, you know, the United States seems to like businessman presidents. You know, we've had a few of them. But it's not the same thing. And I can tell you from having seen it from the legislative side, as well as from, and the executive side, frankly, and being a small business owner. You know, yeah, I try to predict things, but, you know, I rely on other small businesses. They get me materials, you know, very close to when I need them. create a schedule that's what works but you know government can't always do that because then you end up with problems and that's where i think a lot of people miss the point that running a country and running a business two different ball games efficiency matters i'm not gonna say it doesn't regulation understanding it understanding business what do you think what would qualify somebody for the presidency because it's such a even if you go from running some of the biggest companies in the world to the presidency, there's like you're running pretty much the world, if you think about it, because the president has so much influence over what affects the entire world. Yep. Like you can't even imagine the amount of pressure, the amount of responsibilities that's on this one guy. But I mean, at the end of the day, there's like the checks and balances and different forms of government. So, so that load yeah. is kind of spread out, but it all tunnels it all towers up to him and that's just insane and you know there are people that i haven't really liked that i think would have made great presidents there are people i've liked that i thought wouldn't make very good presidents i do think one thing is true understanding not just saying they do but truly understanding because they've struggled and they've shown their ability to dig out of that struggle 
I think that helps. Being that guy that, you know, had their back up against the wall, couldn't make rent, or had to, you know, figure out how to pay for their own education or whatever the case yeah. may be. But they were able to get out of it and show results. That's probably the biggest single thing. Because you know what? When you talk about somebody that understands your struggle, but has walked that path to get out of it, that's the kind of leader I want. Yeah. You know? And I think that that compassion, that empathy, those are two of the critical, critical points within a leader. Because if you can, if they can understand you, understand your struggle, and even if they don't directly, right, I don't understand what it's like to be you entirely, you don't understand what it's yeah. like to be me entirely, but even if they don't directly understand it, they are able to make that effort to understand it yeah. and listen to you and, you know, work with you. That's the part that matters. And I think that's probably the most critical quality in any political leader. Um, I don't just think it applies to president. I think it applies to congressmen, senators, all yeah. that. Anybody um, in a leadership position. Yeah. Because that could even go to a business owner's position does. too. Like that, that, that factor attributes to anything of any type of leadership. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But on that, we're gonna have to end this. All right. This has gone on for a long time. Yeah, it was a really good conversation. Even though we we we, we jumped around a lot. Yeah, but... we jumped around. We agree on a lot of things. Mm -hmm. We disagree on some things. It's unlike the stuff we see on the internet of people who disagree. They're at each other's throats. This is about understanding each other and finding that common ground, that middle ground. Is there anything you want to plug? <laughs> like <laughs> any products, anything? Nah, any, nothing particularly business, right nothing, now. Like, um. No, actually, not really, because you know what? The way I like to approach politics, this isn't about my personal gain, mm -hmm. right? This is about having a conversation. You know, if we're always all worried about personal gain and whether it's on, you know, <laughs> we all want to be famous. We all want to make money. Yeah. But, you know, there are some things that are more important. And right now, what this conversation that we just had, I see as one of them. And so... You know, maybe if you had been doing something different or we had been talking about something different, <laughs> yeah. I would have been, you know, more apt to yeah. plug something. But right now, nah. uh, with this, I'll just say, keep yourself informed. If, if, you know, my plug can be educate yourselves. And we're showing right now as a country that whether it's business, private citizens, whatever, we know that we can reach out, help each other and take care of each other. Let's not stop. This is step one. I mean, you know, I'm not religious. In fact, I'm kind of in this, you know, <laughs> blasphemous, whatever you want to call it. But like, you know, I'm spiritual. I don't really have a you say, oh, there's this God or that or whatever. Yeah. But you know what? If there's some, you know, higher being out there, maybe that was the intent behind this thing. Because quite frankly, we needed something to help bring us together. And having these conversations talking as neighbors, as friends, even as family, because sometimes now we can't even do that. 
that's what I would want to plug. That's what I do want to plug right now, because that is what takes us forward as a country. I love it. So cool. Very Thank admirable. You, yeah. I think your selflessness is something that I think someone watching could, could look up to. So you definitely care about people, a society. You seem to care about the way the about the world more than just your own personal gain out of things. Well, that's you I know, you. again, if the country does well, if the world does well, hey, I'm part of it. We're all eating. I'm an American too. We're all um, you know, so that's the thing that I do want to see that. But am I going to try and, you know, get ahead through every little bit? I can take yeah. a step back <laughs> and have a little bit of, you know, sort of, you know, uh, yeah. Self-understanding, you know, self-awareness yeah. is the word I'm looking for to, to say, nah, this, this I can, I can, there's, yeah. there's something important. Yeah. yeah. So All right. it was a pleasure talking to you. Yeah. Thank you. Cool. Thank you guys for watching. Please like, share, subscribe to the notifications on and subscribe for more episodes of the podcast. I think I'm going to be posting them every single Saturday. If you're watching this on YouTube in the description, that is where you can subscribe. Uh, it's available, America the Podcast, on pretty much everything. Thank you guys for watching. Peace out.